Welcome to another Godcast from Whosoever, an online magazine for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender Christians. I'm Candace Shalou Hodge, the founder and editor of Whosoever. Thank you for joining us. Justin Cannon is only 24 years old, but he's accomplished much for the GLBT Christian community. His groundbreaking study on the Bible and homosexuality at truthsetsfree.net continues to educate our community. His latest project is an anthology of poems by GLBT Christians called Sanctified Anthology. We'll talk with Justin and find out why his latest project involves a loom. Justin is one of many people who have written books or articles about homosexuality in the Bible, but it seems to me that we as a community need to go beyond arguing about what the Bible does and does not say about homosexuality. Indeed, we need a new frame for the issue, and later in this Godcast, I'll explain why we should stop arguing about the Bible and homosexuality, and we'll wrap it up as normal with some holy humor. First, I invite you to visit the official website for my new book, Bulletproof Faith, A Spiritual Survival Guide for Gay and Lesbian Christians. You can go to www.bulletproofbook.com. At the website, I've already posted video and audio of the first public reading of the book at the Alliance for Full Acceptance Meeting back on July 10th in Charleston, South Carolina. I was one of three authors who read for the group, and we had a great time. The website also has my schedule for the fall, including a trip to New Orleans for the Many Stories One Voice Conference the first weekend in September. I'll also be signing books at the Pride Celebration in Columbia, South Carolina on September 20th, and I'll be in Atlanta on September 26th for a book signing at Karis Books and more. I'm still on the lookout for other places to do workshops, readings, and signings, and if you're interested in having me come to your church and speak or sign books, you can contact me at editor at whosoever.org. Bulletproof Faith comes out in September, but you can order it now through bulletproofbook.com. Justin Cannon loves to start new projects. He has several websites and ministries going, including truthsetsfree.net that houses his Bible and homosexuality study, and also educates people on what he calls an inclusive orthodoxy and what that can look like in the church. He also founded a dating service for GOBT Christians called rainbowchristians.com. His projects have paid off. Back in 2006, Cannon was recognized as one of Out Magazine's top 100 most influential gay people of the year. His latest project is a collection of poems from GLBT writers on the GLBT Christian experience. It's called Sanctified, an anthology of poetry by LGBT Christians. This is the first poetry anthology featuring works exclusively by lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Christians. I asked Justin how this new book got started. I just came up with the idea uh, about a couple years ago, and I the idea was, okay, you've got the voices of LGBT Christians emerging in the courtroom, emerging in the churches, um, emerging in educational environments. You have scholastic books. I have this whole shelf full of books on the Bible and Christianity, and you've got Boswell's works. You've got uh, Rick Brentlinger's new work. You have tons of these books, but people don't really get to see the Christian, the gay Christian soul. Kind of, There are some stories of this is my life and this is my coming out, but really, our pains, our joys, our longings, our desires, I think that's best expressed in poetry. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to bring us into that arena. So I bought the domain, sanctifiedanthology.com, and decided I'm going to collect gay Christian poetry. Or by gay, I mean LGBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
slowly submissions came, and as I promoted it on my other websites, many, many more submissions came. <laughs> kind of intimidating stack of papers I had that I knew I eventually had to sort through. Um, so it it just kind of emerged like any one of my ideas. I just decide one day this is going to happen, and. <laughs> And, and how was the response? And how did you how did you sift through um, all of these submissions that came in? Oh my God, that was the craziest part. Um, <laughs> literally, I had a stack like three, four inches tall of poems. Wow! And and I knew I was going to feel bad at every one of those poems that I had to send a letter. Sorry, your mm. poem. Like, man, it, it's hard telling people know that their poem didn't make it, but. Knowing that I had to like narrow this down to like book size, it was just a matter of hour after hour sitting there reading poems. My parents helped me out. I kind of recruited people here and there to work with me on little stacks and mm-hmm. as we talked about the poems and I have one poem of mine which I put a fake name on uh, with my judges that I was working with and uh-huh. Thankfully, they liked uh, whatever the name, whoever the guy wrote that poem, um, myself, my uh-huh. pseudo. Thankfully, they liked it, and one of mine made it in. Um, but it was basically hour after hour after hour of just reading and reading. And, uh-huh. uh, would you Would you read a poem from the book for us? Sure. I'm a little hesitant to do that because I don't know if I could do them justice. And, but let me pick a random one. Okay. And... So this one's by J. Michael Braden, and it's called Resurrected. You are unapproachable, shrouded by mystery and misinformation. You are terrible and terrific. The gates of both heaven and hell await your command. Blindness strikes us by day and terror by night. For we are not upright if those who measure and weigh, judging who we are, what we do, and every word we say are to be trusted. They are the self-appointed centurions at the gate, the protectors of the faith who purge the church of all, who are unworthy and unclean. The gates have closed us out, but we've been out before. We are the outcasts, infidels, and heretics of faith. We are unclean, uncircumcised, and unworthy too. We are eunuchs and lepers unwanted by most, though we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Slain by the law, resurrected by grace. In spite of it all, we are the ones haunted by the memory of your face. Wow. That's very good. Very good. Yeah. So I did my best to try to... I hope, Michael, that you liked your poem, how I read it. (laughs) I hope so. It is a beautiful poem. There are some amazing, amazing people that have submitted work that I'm proud of our community just what's come out of it in this anthology. And what are you hoping folks get out of it who read it, whether they're gay or straight? Kind of spiritual nourishment. I I feel like in so many of these lines, um, we can encounter God through the other's words. Mm -hmm. I don't think divine inspiration stopped when the Bible, when (laughs) Revelation was written. Um, I think God's still inspiring people and still speaking God's truth and in these lines, I hope that people can meet the Spirit, not only the Holy Spirit, but also uh, the Spirit of our community to see the depth of our faith and our our search. And how can people get this book? The book can be purchased at sanctifiedanthology.com. 
It's also being listed on Amazon.com. This is just your latest project. You've got all sorts of things you've done before, truthsetsfree.net. You've got a dating service, Rainbow Christians, and (laughs) Inclusive Orthodoxy. You are busy. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I thrive with projects. Like, I get an idea, and it's like, i got to do that. One other project that I've been working on was uh, this bookstore that I started up not Mm -hmm. too long ago, Cross uh, to Freedom.com. Um, in which I actually just listed your book. Yay! <laughs> so we're in the bookstore together. Good, good. I like but, that. Um, yeah, my projects are going well, and Rainbow Christians continues to grow. Are people connecting in this way? Are you hearing from folks who have found each other through this dating service? Yeah, I hear from people from time to time. Uh, a couple of guys emailed me not too long ago, and they said they had they were getting married. Wonderful. So they met like a year ago on my website. Uh, why did you want to start a dating service? I started it in 2006. Part of it was my own struggle realizing how hard it is to meet other gay Christians. Yeah. That there are thousands of us that were kind of spread out, especially if you live in a small town. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I did at the time. I actually started it when I was in college, and there were very few gay Christians in that area. Mm-hmm. And being able to share my faith with someone was was and is very important to me. Yeah. So I started Rainbow Christians as a way to enable and bring together gay Christians to help us find each other. So initially I started it, it was free because I wasn't putting the thousands of dollars into it that I am now. (laughs) And and it grew, it launched, and places started to talk about it and started to get some interest. And so I've kind of over time been working on it and just recently hired a new webmaster and new server and That's good. New software to full upgrade. So things are growing. Things are growing. Unfortunately, now I have to charge, but I keep it down to $5 a month. um, That helps offset some of the costs I put into it. Well, that's good. And how about inclusive orthodoxy? Those are are two words that usually folks don't think about going together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's exactly why inclusive orthodoxy is basically my ministry, Mm truthsetsfree.net. kind of relaunched, renamed, with a new kind of direction to it. What I realized was the more inclusive an organization, a denomination, or whatever becomes, the less orthodox, the less concerned about tradition and scripture, it seems these organizations became. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the extreme of John Shelby Spong. Tradition's gone right out the window. Mm-hmm. And, and then the more orthodox a group becomes, it seems, the more grounded in tradition and scripture, the more, like, exclusive. You know, there's no room for women priests here. There's no room for LGBT priests. There's no room for transgender, transsexual, Mm -hmm. intersex. There were these polls that I kept seeing. You're either holding to the Christian faith as it's been passed down through the ages and pushing out people, or you're drawing people in and letting go of a lot of what the church has affirmed and lifted up for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, these two aren't in conflict. We can hold true to what Christianity has been, what it's meant, hold to the divine inspiration of Scripture, the beauty of tradition, Mm -hmm. and also extend this with a a form of inclusivity that draws all people into this, this beautiful story. Well, and it sounds a lot like some of the emergent movement that's going on now where they're talking about 
uh, they're talking about orthodoxy in depth and being more inclusive, uh, but at the same time still holding to, to tradition. So mm-hmm. Do you see some of the similarities in the emergent movement with what you're trying to accomplish? Sure, I see similar parallels and things like, well, you have a, a form of postmodern theology called uh, radical orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. Then there's also McLaren, Brian McLaren and his uh, generous orthodoxy. Right. I think there is a lot of interest in bringing these poles together and recognizing that these extremes don't really work, you know, when you just sit in one extreme to the exclusion of everyone else. So you don't have to give up Christianity to to bring more people in and you don't have to cling to Christianity and drive out the heretics. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Well, I told I told a group at my church, you know, the, we sort of run the theological gamut from from very liberal to to very conservative, and we seem to to be able to make it work. And I told a group uh, just recently, it works because we're in relationship. Exactly. That that if you know we may disagree on a doctrine or a dogma or you know we we may argue theories of atonement or whatever, but. In the end, we're here in community together because we want to move the love of Christ forward in the world. So we work on projects together that do that. We come together as a community and help the poor and the needy and, and reach out to, to people who are in need. And we do that through our relationships all the while while we're in discussion about orthodoxy and, and other things of matters of faith. I see communities where it can work, where it is sort of a generous orthodoxy or an inclusive orthodoxy, like you're like you're saying. It's challenging, though. And I it is. You have a, you're exactly right on that it's about relationship. Mm-hmm. Can we still be in relationship with each other without agreeing perfectly 100% on every little point? Yeah. Can we honor the difference and, and grow into the questions and the answers over time? And and it's hard to reach that point because sometimes you get – I think there's insecurity in the more orthodox and exclusive uh, churches because if everyone doesn't agree with me that this is the right way to think, well, then something must be wrong. And, and then suddenly people are in a crisis of faith, <laughs> you know. And so it's it's hard to have – it's hard to be in community and sort of hold your own beliefs lightly and, and be open and, and affirm. Uh, or even if not affirming, open and generous toward other people's positions. I think we can even hold our beliefs strongly. Mm-hmm. You, you say hold them lightly, but I think we can really say this is what I'm truly convinced of, but mm-hmm. I believe there is place for others who don't firmly believe exactly what I do. Yeah. And that in coming together, there's something beautiful, something that can emerge that neither of us have. How are you working to, to sort of perpetuate that within Christian communities? Inclusive orthodoxy is kind of a hermeneutic that I've introduced through my website. Uh-huh. Um, and I make a case for, for orthodoxy. I make a case for inclusivity of LGBT people. I make a case for inclusion of women in the full ministry of the church. Practically, how am I working for change? I'd say, one, by putting those ideas out there. I mm-hmm. have a lot of people who email me and find my website. Right now, it's mainly an internet-based ministry, sowing seeds of ideas and corresponding with people. Probably the most change comes in relationships and dialoguing with people and bringing these ideas to the table. Mm -hmm. Whether that table's the dinner table, Mm -hmm. um, 
the coffee hour table or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm not leading a movement to march on on Lambeth <laughs> to <laughs> to change things, but yeah. I mean, it's more grassroots. So now that Sanctified Anthology is out there, what's your next project? I know you got one. <laughs> next project. I, I don't know what my next project is right now. Hopefully, I can. Oh well, I, my next project is to weave. <laughs> I just bought a loom the other day on eBay. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is part of my therapy to slow down uh-huh. and stop running from project to project. I went to this retreat community about a month ago, uh-huh. and I, I learned to weave there. I wove a stole, and that was just so nice being able to stop, sit down in the woods. And for just five hours, just that they're leaving. Wow. So well, that's, that's kind of my therapy away from my project. It's like, all right, I need to stop. I need to weave. For more information on Sanctified, an anthology of poetry by LGBT Christians, you can visit sanctifiedanthology.com. Gays and lesbians will never win the argument over what the Bible says or does not say about homosexuality. The good news is, we don't have to. It will not be arguments over the Bible that will ultimately secure the civil rights of gays and lesbians. Sure, those arguments are being made, and they can be loud and raucous, but the Bible is not the other side of the issue of homosexuality. Just like in the days of slavery, it has been made out to be the other side of the issue because those who oppose homosexuality can seem to find a vast ammunition dump of verses to use in the battle over gay and lesbian rights. So they load their Bibles and use them to shoot down any argument against biblical authority on this subject. If you think making a pro-gay argument from the Bible is difficult, try to make an anti-slavery argument from it. There's precious little in the Bible that can be made to speak against the owning of another human being as property. Not that the abolitionists didn't try, they did, valiantly. They twisted the scripture with expert ease. They made Paul condemn slavery in Colossians 4.1, where he writes... Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. The abolitionists, according to J. Albert Harrell, argued that the words just and equal, quote, revealed that Paul understood slaves to have natural rights. Since chattel slavery means absolute denial of rights and justice, Paul implicitly condemned the institution, unquote. In this way, Paul sowed the secret seed that Harrell said, quote, later bloomed as the Enlightenment philosophy championing inalienable rights, a cornerstone of anti-slavery and abolitionist theology, unquote. Now, if you think gay and lesbian scholars have little to work with, try making a case from that scrap of shaky evidence. It makes arguments about temple prostitution and gang rape absolutely rock solid. At least we don't have to talk about secret seeds and make excuses for Jesus and Paul not coming right out and saying gay and lesbian people are just all right with Jesus. We at least have plenty of evidence to support our argument that Bible writers were talking about abusive sexual practices when they spoke of homosexual acts. No secret seeds and semantic wrangling needed. Despite the slim exegesis of abolitionists, slaves were eventually freed. In the end, though, it wasn't biblical arguments and expert exegesis that freed the slaves. The slaves were freed because the conscience of the majority of Americans could no longer countenance the owning of other people as property. The idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that originally was not extended to slaves gradually came to be recognized to encompass them as well. And so it will be with gay and lesbian Americans. 
We will not win our rights by having the best biblically-based argument. We will never triumph in that area, but we don't need to. As the abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison so boldly proclaimed, nothing in regard to controversial matters has ever been settled by the Bible, and neither should it. The Bible still speaks with approval about slavery. It still speaks with approval about the subjugation of women and division of the races. It still forbids divorce and prescribes the death penalty for adultery. The Bible has not changed. What has changed is our conscience. We find it unconscionable to own other people and to deny rights based on gender or race. We find it unreasonable to say that women or people of different races deserve harsher treatment in society. We understand that it is sometimes best for a marriage to end and partners to go their separate ways. We understand that sexual infidelity, while harmful and painful, is not an infraction worthy of death. In many churches, it's no longer a bar to ordination. In all these areas, our conscience has trumped biblical authority, and it will be the same with gay and lesbian rights. A quick look at the polls shows that acceptance of gays and lesbians grows stronger with each passing year. A Gallup poll taken in June 2008 shows 55% of those polled believe gay and lesbian relations should be legal, and 57% said it should be accepted as an alternative lifestyle, whatever that means. In addition, 89% believe gays and lesbians should have equal rights in the job market. The challenge remains over the issues of same-sex marriage, simply because of the fallacious religious arguments that have been made the other side of this issue by the media. Only 40% say gay marriages should be permitted, while 56% oppose the idea. The other religiously-fueled argument, whether homosexual relations are quote-unquote moral, split respondents evenly at 48%. What those who fight tooth and nail for the supremacy of biblical authority don't realize is that while their arguments may hold some weight in the church, in society they've already lost that battle. It will only take a few more years for all of those numbers to climb well into the majority. Polls are consistently showing that young people have no problem accepting gays and lesbians. As the old guard dies off, so will their arguments. Eventually they will seem as quaint as the pro- and anti-slavery arguments. Certainly gays and lesbians face a rougher time within the church, where issues of biblical authority are not as easily disregarded as in the secular world. Here the matters are weightier, but I think the same rule applies, only in slow motion. In the time of slavery, churches split over the issue, some for it, others against it. We see the same thing happening now, but eventually, even those churches that sprung up around support of slavery have found themselves apologizing for their slaveholding and racist past. I expect, well, perhaps not in my lifetime, but I expect that many churches now dividing over the gay and lesbian issue will find themselves hat in hand years down the road asking for forgiveness for how they treated gays and lesbians. That's not to say that the Bible still is not authoritative. I'm not advocating tossing the Bible as Garrison did when he declared the book a lie and a curse on mankind. I still believe the Bible to have authority in many areas of morality and spirituality. The Bible can be a solid guide on how to follow Jesus and love God, ourselves, and our neighbor. It simply can't be used as the authority on areas where God has spoken a new word and has raised our conscience. For gays and lesbians, this means we don't need to worry about the soundness of our biblical exegesis, even though our scholars have produced extremely sound theology that is much stronger than what the average abolitionist had. Ultimately, though, we don't have to make our argument from Scripture, because the conscience of those in this world is rising. More and more people are coming to the conclusion that it's ridiculous to discriminate in housing, jobs, and even in marriage against a group of people who are only different in who they choose to spend their lives with. We should 
not be spending our energy arguing the Bible or even worrying if the Bible condemns us as gay and lesbian people. It might well condemn us, but it is a book that also approves of slavery, the division of the races, and the subjugation of women. In all these areas, we have heard and heeded a fresh revelation from God and disregarded what the Bible does or does not say about these matters without disregarding the Bible itself. wrap things up with some holy humor. A man down on his luck went into a church which catered to that uppity kind of crowd. Spotting the man's dirty clothes, a deacon, worried about his church's image, went to the man and asked him if he needed help. The man said, well, I was praying and the Lord told me to come to this church. Well, the deacon suggested that the man go pray some more and possibly he might get a different answer. The next Sunday, the man came back and the deacon asked, well, did you get a different answer? The man replied, yes, I did. I told the Lord that they don't want me in that church. And the Lord said, don't worry about it, son. I've been trying to get in that church for years, and I haven't even made it. Thank you so much for joining us for another Whosoever Magazine Godcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can tell us your thoughts, comments, or suggestions by writing to us. Our email address is godcast at whosoever.org. Or you can leave your comments at our blog at whosoeverpods.blogspot.com. The theme music for our program has been graciously provided by Adam Curley. Other music included samples from Rob Coslow, Sun Palace, and Jeff Wall, all available from magnatune.com. If you'd like to join the Whosoever community, we have many online groups that you can join for fun and support. You can find whosoeverins in your area when you join our Rainbow Fish groups. If you want to know more, go to whosoever.org slash rainbowfish. If you're enjoying our podcast, I hope you'll make a monetary donation to our ministry. It does take money to produce and broadcast this program and, of course, to keep our ministry on the web where we've been a valuable resource to our community for about 13 years now. You can donate by credit card by going to our website at whosoever.org slash donate. Again, thanks for listening. May God bless you and keep Keep you until we meet again.